Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry skies, see your hand in time, in mind to lead me through the night. If you were here last week, you heard Pastor reminisce quite a bit um, about our family and our extended family. And as he was speaking, I thought, well, that'll be interesting because I'm going to reminisce next week about some things in our family. Growing up, Haley and I moved with our family to St. Louis. I was nine and she was six. And dad was, I'll say adventurous, but he, he loved showing us new things. There were things I feel like in dad's life that he was experiencing at the time at his age in his 30s, and he was just excited to share those things with us. He often jokes that we ate certain foods that he didn't eat until his mid-30s. We were eating them as, you know, preteens, even earlier. I laugh at that because now my daughter is eating things I have never eaten until I was in my 30s. Child had Dungeness crab at a year and a half. God help her. <laughs> got to make sure she's not allergic, you know. Got to expose her to these things. Uh, but dad was excited. He wanted to share the things that were happening and the opportunities that God had blessed our family with, and he wanted us to embrace those situations. So we traveled a lot with him. We traveled when he would speak in different, different churches, different cities, and, and there was an expectation, a confidence, a, a, a confidence that he would bring to us to say, this is going to be exciting, this is going to be fun. I remember the first couple times we got on an airplane and, you know, we're, we're questioning, what, what are those sounds? What's happening? Why is mom so scared? <laughs> What's going on? And dad would say, it's fine. It's operating. It's just how it gets going. You hear some things. You hear the engines. I don't honestly remember all the little things he told us, but his, he could have been telling us who knows what, but the confidence in his voice said everything was going to be fine. My dad knew what was going on. My dad had done this before, and I was going to be Okay. He'd give us some new food, try this out. Maybe there was a small percentage or something happening, but he didn't want us to focus on that. He wanted us to focus on, hey, this is going to be a cool experience. It's going to be wonderful, and we want to share that together. Now, let me be clear. You all, most of you have met my father. You've had a conversation with him. I would tell you, even in his younger years, he was not oblivious, okay? This was not blind faith or trust of what was going on in the world and the situations, okay? He wanted us to live life to the fullest, and he wanted us to be comfortable and have new experiences, go out into the world. As we got older, we traveled to some new countries together, Dad wasn't scared going into Mexico not knowing the language. We were a little scared. He didn't know the language, but it's okay. We got through it. He wanted to take us on that trip together, and, you know, we were a little hesitant. It's great, though. He wanted to expand our experiences. Even though there might have been a small percentage of something going wrong, plane crashing, roller coaster stopping mid-loop, these things you think about, you know, when you get older, food giving you food poisoning. He didn't talk about that. That was not like, just in case this may happen. No. He was like, don't worry about it. We're going to be fine. So as a kid, I kind of started feeling like, wow, like nothing's going to happen to me, right? Like, dad's got this. He knows. He's, he's 
He's right there with me, especially if we're with him. You know, nothing, nothing can happen to us if we're with him. So I developed that maybe self-importance at a young age. of Like, whew, this is going to be okay. Sometime in between there, some years have been added to my life. And my dad's voice being the primary one to say, nothing bad's going to happen, has kind of just bumped down a few in my head. There's some other voices, some other things that have come up and taken precedent over my certainty of bad things not happening. After all, the 1% was still a chance, right? The 1% still existed. I observed things in my life and in others' life. They did everything right, seemed to make all the right decisions. You had all the information that you could have had, and something still goes wrong. So why, why would I be not part of that 1%? When I was pregnant with my daughter, I had to go to a bunch of appointments. You do a bunch of checkups. And I've never liked the doctor. I don't really know when that changed or when that happened. And I just got like, I hate going to the doctor. So they read my blood pressure. And they didn't like it every time. And I tell them, I'm nervous. I hate the doctor. I'm like, okay, okay. But we're nervous that this is happening. And those words scared me. What about your blood pressure? What about your blood pressure? I did not want to hear that. So I fought it. Fought it a lot. Mentally, I don't have this. This is not happening. Verbally, my husband and I talked about it over and over. Physically, try to fix it. What can I do to change? What can I do to not deal with this situation? Had my daughter. Still don't like my blood pressure. They're like, it'll come down. It'll come down. But it hasn't yet. I'm two and a half years later. And at 34... My doctors say, you have high blood pressure. So fear and anxiety kind of just sort of set up shop in my head as some preliminary responses to some uncertainty in my life. I think sometimes they've got like nice little couches in there, maybe some coffee. Anxiety loves coffee, so you know they have coffee. And they're quite comfortable sitting there saying, this is your initial response. What's going to happen? What if? What if? What if? because I haven't had to deal with something like this before. When Celie was a little over one years old, she had an allergic reaction. I shared some of this with you a few weeks ago in our New Year's Eve service. Her face swelled up like a balloon, rushed her to the ER, what's going on? Had hospital visits, doctor's visits. So now my child, I'm watching her be involved in something I can't control. I don't know what's going on. Looks like it could be a situation where a lot more control may need to be had to keep her safe. And again, I shared with you all, God in his mercy has healed her completely. The child eats cashews by the handfuls, thinks they're great. No reaction, no swelling, no redness, nothing. And in those moments, I take a minute and I say, God, you have taken care of us. Thank you. Thank you for your mercy in this situation but there's still that hint sometimes that says, what if she eats something else? It's happened before. What's happening now? And I want to tell you through those reactions and through those situations, these past few years becoming more apparent in the things that I've come across in my life, I get 
I get tired of saying what if. I get tired of feeling fear or anxiety, nervousness, afraid. I feel the Lord pushing me and urging me to say, this isn't where I want you to be. I want you to feel a confidence. I want you to feel a freedom and liberty because God knows what's happening. He knows what's going to happen to my life. He knows what's happening inside of me and through me. I want us to look at Psalms chapter 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now I read that and I say, why am I afraid? Forget not all his benefits, forgiving my iniquities and healing my diseases. Who is my God? Who is the one that I am serving? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He has, if you read this entire chapter, there are many more benefits that are listed. I want to live in those benefits. I want to live in the confidence that the author speaks of in saying, this is what I know about my God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 says, Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? or drink, or wear. This is a very common passage of scripture that we can easily overlook, but those are some specific things that happen daily to most of us, right? We're wondering, what are we going to eat that day? Do I have access to water or my favorite beverage? More and more, you're working from home, so wearing is probably less Oh, wait on your mind. But still, you have to choose what's going to, what do you have in your closet? What's going to happen, okay? These are some detailed things because in the end, though, verse 32, it says, For all these things the Gentiles seek, your heavenly Father knows you need all of these things. Why do you put your weight in it? Why do you stress or concern yourself with it? Because God is already taking care of you. The scripture here says, Father. The Father knows you need all things. I feel like more, more recently I've tried to understand who God is as a father. I've heard stories of people having poor relationships with their father, and so seeing God as a father can be a struggle. And I think for me, I've had a great father, I've had a great example, so I kind of think, well, I had a great father, so I don't really see God sometimes in that light as a father because I have a good earthly father. But there's so much benefit in identifying in and getting to know him as a father. As a child, there was no way, up to a certain point, that anyone knew more than my dad, okay? My dad, I, I had trust. I had confidence in him because he had proven himself trustworthy to me. He had told me some things. Those things came to pass or didn't come to pass, and I built a confidence and trust in him. I remember having conversations with friends and hearing what their perception was or their opinion and thinking to myself, that ain't right. Dad didn't say that. Alicia probably can recount some things. I might have said it once or twice. I had less, less control of my tongue back then, so it probably came out. <laughs> but I had such
such a confidence in who he was. How much greater can I have that confidence in my heavenly father who is detail-oriented to like, we can't even think about, okay? You think about the most detail-oriented person. I'm pretty detail-oriented, but like I've met worse. Take that times 10 and God knows you inside and out. I was recently watching a documentary, uh, some kind of nature documentary, and they had this segment about flamingos. I don't know if you know this, but flamingos are not naturally pink. Apparently they're born white. Then whatever their diet is in that area turns their feathers pink. Okay? So they can basically look at the flock of themselves and say, who is the healthiest? Because you have the prettiest flowers. Or flowers, feathers. You know what I meant. They got the prettiest feathers. And so God created this in them. I don't know why. It's a detail. It's a minute detail of this is happening with a bird. A bird. How much greater is he going to care about me and what's going on in my life? He took the time to put this into a flock of flamingos. <laughs> I know I'm like sitting there watching this with my daughter. It's all coming to me. But he made me. He knows what experiences have made me. He knows how I function, what makes me tick, what pushes all of my buttons. What's my max output? What's my minimum output? He knows my boiling point. He knows all of these details, and yet he wants to be involved in all of it. Why am I afraid? I have nothing to fear with a God that knows that level of detail, that level of care, that level of all-knowing power. Psalms 139. I love this passage of scripture. And you really, really could take this passage and read it over and over again and, and still be in awe of God. Verse 1 says, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. That is a small detail, all right? He knows when you're going to sit up and stand up from the front row, the second row. Like, he already knows it's going to happen. He knows when you're going to brush your teeth in the morning, put your shoes on. Those are like details in a story like I don't want to know. Like somebody's telling me a story, and you're like, I don't, okay, bypass that. Like, let's keep going. God cares. He is part of the story, and he's paying attention. Verse 2, continuing on, you understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my faith, or my path, and my lying down. You're acquainted with all of my ways. The closest thing that I can compare to that is when Brad and I started dating. Brad started noticing things about me that I don't know that I noticed about myself. And he started asking me, why do you do this? I don't do that. Uh, I don't, yeah, you just, this is when you did that. No, are you sure? I don't, I don't really think, okay. And that interaction of him paying so much attention to me that he knew these details, and then he was questioning me, then I learned myself even better. But Brad was paying attention in a level of observance and that, that I'd never experienced before. God 
is acquainted with all of my ways. That tells me every little thing that I'm about to do, how I'm going to respond to something. He's familiar with it. He knows why I'm doing it, even when I don't know why I'm doing it. How intimate is that relationship if I then respond to his attention? Verse 4, there's not a word on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You're behind me and before you've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. It's hard to describe when we don't know ourselves as well as God to just say, what all these details, all these things, I could say it over and over in just that way, and still that knowledge, that comprehension that someone can know me to that level of detail and really care about me at that level is too wonderful for me, too amazing. The verses go on and say, where can I go where you're not going to be there? If I go into heaven, you're there. If I go into hell, you're there. If I go down to verse 12, the darkness shall not hide from you. The night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. He's everywhere. He's not going to leave me. I don't know why I have to deal with high blood pressure for the rest of my life, but you know what I do know? God, you go before me. Your hand is upon me. You know when I sit down and you know when I get up. I don't know if my daughter is going to come into something, in contact with something that's going to harm her or not be good for her. But you know what I know? God, you go before me. Your hand is upon me. And you know when I sit down and when I get up. I am excited that this is the God that I serve. I do not want to forget the power and the intricacy of his relationship with me. He is with me. He is for me. Fear does not have to be part of my life because God is with me. Why does it matter? I can say these things about God knowing that level of detail, but without power, without authority, maybe you're like me, you need reminding of the power that God brings. Musicians, you can actually come. The Israelites had waited hundreds of years to be freed from their slave masters, the Egyptians. When they finally got the go-ahead, they're leaving Egypt, they look back and they see Pharaoh is coming at them full force. And a natural human reaction, the Israelites say, I'm scared. What's going to happen? I've finally gotten free of this, and it seems like my problem is just headed full force toward me. What am I going to do? Exodus verse uh, 13 of chapter 14, Moses says to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. 
the Egyptians who you see, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. The Lord actually responds to Moses and says, why are you calling out to me? Very next verse, he says, tell the Israelites to move forward. He had already promised them freedom. He had already promised them that they were going to be rid of the Egyptians. But it seemed like the problem was creeping back up. And I want to share a couple of things in this story that I I had just recently realized some really cool details. But as the Israelites are moving forward, they're coming up on that body of water. You may be very familiar with Moses is going to call on God. God's going to part the sea. But it didn't happen like that. The water just didn't, boom, three seconds, split. Scripture says the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. That doesn't say five minutes. That doesn't say ten minutes. That sounds like hours to me. That sounds like a long time. The Israelites had to wait on the Lord to make sure, are you really going to do this, God? Because I'm sitting here questioning now because I'm up against a body of water that I don't have boats and my enemy is now pursuing me. What, what, what are we doing? What's happening? In the meantime, while the water is being parted, to protect the Israelites from being attacked by the Egyptian, God sent a cloud that was darkness to one and light to the other and separated the two camps. So you've got the body of water, you've got the Israelites, God sends a cloud, and then the Egyptians. They couldn't see each other. He finally, he put something in between because he knew there was going to be a waiting period. And he wasn't going to have the Egyptians attack the Israelites. The Israelites were under the promise that they were going to be saved. So God had them wait in that time and sent a miracle in the interim. I never realized that. I never realized there was a cloud separating them while they waited for the waters to be cleared. Estimates say at a minimum there were two million Israelites that left that country, left the Egyptians. Two million people. God rescued a country from the Egyptians. That is who I'm serving. That's the power. God was not only in control of saying, yep, I got you. We're going to go ahead. We're going to move. We're going to start moving two million people across this sea. But he said, wait a minute. I just want to remind you, I'm also in control of the weather. I'm also in control of this large body of water that's sitting here. And I need to remind you that you had a promise that I am not going back on my word for. You have to wait. And I'm still going to deliver you. My salvation is still here. Will you stand with me? I want to be in a constant state this year of remembering and acknowledging the God that I serve. I'm tired of worrying and spending time thinking about things that are going to happen regardless. They're going to happen. Things that come at my life, I'm not trying to make ridiculous decisions. I'm trying to live in wisdom and take caution. But you know what? Even when I do everything right, things are still going to happen that I'm going to say, God, you are all powerful. You are all knowing and you are in whom I trust. 
If you want to declare that today with me, if you want to approach 2023 in a new light saying, God, I give this to you. God, my first reaction is going to be confidence in you because you know what's going to happen. Will you come to the altar? Will you come and worship and celebrate? If you're tired of thinking about what's going to happen, if you want to release that, God, do a greater work in us. Hallelujah. God, I want to have kingdom focus. God, get out of me any fear, any anxiety. Help me to understand who you are. Hallelujah. Will you worship him today? Will you declare his greatness? Hallelujah. I like that that song says, fear is not my future. That's our choice. I've realized we've had some faith groups about fear and anxiety. I took a class last semester on fear and anxiety. And I've realized I'm the kind of person that if I tell the Lord, God, I want to trust in you. And then I go back to thinking about, man, I still got this situation. That doesn't do anything to calm my fear and anxiety if I allow my mind to go back to that. I have to constantly replace that with what, what is my focus? Where, where is my mindset? Is it on God or is it on the situation? And I don't have it perfected. <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. But I feel such a, a call from the Holy Spirit, such an urgency that he wants to take this congregation to a different level. And there are just some things that we got to really work on to get there. And that's okay. That's okay because he's telling us. But he wants us to leave that distraction where it where it should be over here as a distraction he wants us to focus on him because he's a he's ready he's ready to do some powerful things through us hallelujah my personal challenge this year is to commit more scripture to memory I've been challenged by an individual in my my pi classes purpose institute the individual rattles off scripture and verse just for any topic. He answers any question by the professor with a scripture and verse. I, I can't, I used to be in Bible quizzing. I was in that, that program for quite a while. And I did not retain all of that from the time I was 9 to 12 till now. So I am trying to do some memorization because I need the truth at the tip of my tongue. I need, when I face this situation, I need the Holy Spirit's help to bring that to my forefront and say, this is truth, Chelsea. The Lord is my strength and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's what I need to remember. Not the uncertainty of what may happen, because that's going to happen no matter what. He is with me. So I challenge you to think about what's your method for holding on to truth? What's that going to be for this year? How are you going to keep from being distracted when life's situations come at you? Especially the stuff that you didn't ask for, you didn't stick your foot in. Families are good to do that sometimes, you know, they mess things up. They got stuff going on and you got things to think about. How are you going to recall the truth of God's word in your life and apply that so when it comes you can say, nope. I know who my God is. 
and I know who the controller of the situation is. I want to read this last passage to you kind of as a prayer over us. It's in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. It says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. God, right now, I pray for your power from your, um, your glorious unlimited resources for inner strength through your spirit, God, over every individual in this place. God, I pray that you make a home in our hearts as we trust in you, that your roots go down into God's love and keep us strong. I pray that we have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep your love is. May we experience your love, though it is too great for us to fully understand that we will be made complete through the fullness of life and power that comes from God. If you're into committing scripture to memory, that's a good passage to start with. How deep, how long, how high, how wide his love is. Day by day, we can try to understand that, but we'll never fully understand until we meet him. Thank you for showing up today. Thank you for being open to what the Holy Spirit had in mind for this service. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series. Or join us online at livingfaithministries.church.